This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. What's up, my friends? Good to see you. Hey, yo, man. It's the Monty Show on Monday, February 7th. 2022. Yeah. Hi, Jake. Hello. Happy weekend over. Thanks. Otherwise known as Monday, which can suck it. Um, I'm not a fan of Monday. <laughs> Isn't a week from today President's Day? Sure. Is it? A week from today we'll be doing the show in California, so I don't know and I, I don't care. I will have had SoCal Mexican food by now. Yeah, it's called Taco Surf. Hey, baby. I want uh, we are not going to miss any shows. Well, our plan is to pack all this crap up and take it with us and then do the show from L.A. Yeah. You know, hey, yeah. MFers. Uh, we'll see how the Internet and how all that stuff works out. We have a beautiful backdrop we're going to unveil for you. By the way, the T-shirts are ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. How about Inkedware in Salt Lake City? Pumping uh, it out. Pumping it. <laughs> <laughs> pumping it out. So we'll uh, we'll have a T-shirt announcement for you. Um, good to see you as always. We've got to talk a major. <coughs> Hi. Two twenty-five into the show before I cough. Uh, we have a major Joe Rogan update for you coming here in about twenty oh, minutes. Man, um, my dog lost his mind on Saturday night. My God. Yeah, seriously. That like the story is unbelievable. It's crazy. Do you know what the Mile High Club is, and do you want to join? And we'll have an update for you on buy and hold real estate. Okay. All right. But good, first, good, good. But first, yeah. Mm-hmm. We must start with my R and we the Utah Jazz, mm-hmm. um, because again, not to say I told you so, or that I'm hot and sexy because I'm yeah. both. Uh, but this is the truth that, uh, yeah, over the weekend we got confirmation, um, that as per usual, our reporting has been nails on this thing is ESPN, uh, ESPN, NBA TV, everybody reporting now that there is friction between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, which we told you as much as four months ago. Uh, but as recently as three weeks ago, we were talking about the chemistry in this jazz locker room has been bad. And it's not the losing that has caused chemistry issues. It is a lack of respect for the guys around you. And Rudy Gobert has been adamant that, you know, it he is the leader of this team and that he wants to call guys out. Um, that has not always gone well. Frankly, most of the time it does not go well. And when Donovan Mitchell's out of this lineup, this team lacks that dynamic scoring punch that he brings, Jake. So does it surprise you now that nationally across multiple platforms, people are reporting that there are chemistry issues in the Jazz locker room? No, I mean, it was just a matter of time. You know, uh, I, I think that, that you know, when you have two, you know, when you have your two best players on the team, you know, going back and forth and trying to jockey for a position, it seems like uh, you really don't have a best player on the team, unfortunately, as far as culture and the guys in the locker room are concerned. And I think, any successful NBA team has a totem pole of leadership and you've got the guy at the top and you've got the guy at the bottom and everybody else in between. And it just, that's just how it goes 
culturally speaking, uh, for an NBA team. And, and I think that Rudy is the classic guy in the locker room who wants to say, hey, I'm a three-time defensive player of the year, and I'm an all-star, and I've done all this great stuff, but you're not the person who decides if your team wins or loses games. You're just not. I mean, it's just not of consequence what what he does. Does he fill up a defensive stat sheet? Absolutely. Does he make life difficult for the opposing offense? Absolutely. But again, as we've seen at the highest levels, when you're playing great teams, you're not the reason you win or lose. And that's the tough part. Whereas I think, you know, Donovan Mitchell, if Donovan has 10 points an entire night, I think we can all agree that they're going to lose that game. Whereas if Donovan puts up 35-40, they're probably going to win that game. So I just think that, you know, if you're Rudy Gobert, you cannot have a situation where you're going into the locker room and thinking that you can call guys out and do all this and think that there's not going to be consequences because that's ultimately what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that you want to be Mr. Accountability, but at the same time, you're a hypocrite because you cannot, you can't be calling people out when you can't even really shoot a basketball. You can't call people out when you don't really have an offensive game. You know, this is an offensive league, not a defensive league, you know? So that's why I say I just think that for Rudy, it's not his place to be calling people out. Is he the core of your defense? Yeah, he is. Does that mean he should be calling people out? Absolutely not. And I, and I think that, you know, you look at all the best players in the league, the KDs, the LeBrons, the Stephs, you know, whoever you want to look to, those are the people that do the calling out. Those are the people that, you know, run the accountability train, train for their team. And again, as I've been saying, I think this is where Donovan Mitchell really needs to grow. This is the part of his game that's really got to, to, to go up a notch because until that happens, he's not going to be on a team that goes to the NBA Finals. He's just not. And, and that's, that's what I think he's got to realize. But is that the end-all, be-all for this ball club? Is it, is it championship or bust? And frankly, when you look at what's been going around and you look at what we've been telling you is happening with this team – one of the things that's very clear is Danny Ainge is trying to make deals. And I think this is the other thing that came out over the weekend. Again, we were able to confirm that the Jazz are trying to make a Marcus Smart uh, Richardson deal in Boston, and they just don't have the, the, the parts to get it done. Because what you're hearing um, is that Boston is talking to two teams prominently. One of those is the Atlanta Hawks, um, who are said to be on the verge of offering John Collins to Boston. For Richardson and Marcus Smart. And I just don't know how, if you're the Boston Celtics, you turn that deal down. Yeah. That would be an, an incredible upgrade for them to pair with, you know, with, with Jason Tatum. Um, and you look at the way Jalen Brown's playing, you add John Collins to that. I mean, that that is a very formidable triumvirate in Boston, especially in the Eastern Conference. Um, I look at what Minnesota is said to be willing to give up to get Marcus Smart. They're willing to give up Malik Beasley. Now, do they throw McDaniels in to make that deal done? Well, so far they haven't. But if I'm the Boston Celtics, why am I going to make a deal with the, the Utah Jazz when I can, can go to other teams like Atlanta and now Minnesota and get younger pieces as well as draft picks for Marcus Smart and, and Richardson? I just don't know why you wouldn't do that. Yeah. And this all goes back to what we've been talking about with the Jazz. They just don't have the pieces to make a deal to improve themselves. So what happens is you hear about a Montrez Harrell deal where the Lakers would love to get Montrez Harrell back, but they don't have a, you know a first-round pick to get in on. So, hey, well, maybe the Jazz are, who I'm told are now willing to give up future draft capital, which they hadn't been willing to do because I think they thought they could take some of these pieces and make a deal and hang on to their draft capital, well, things have changed now 
because they realize Danny Ainge, I think, and Justin Zanuck are out there trying to make deals, and they just don't have the physical humans to make a deal happen in the NBA. So now it looks like the Utah Jazz are going to have to give up future first-round picks, which, by the way, I don't know why you don't do that. And the reason I say that is you're not going to win now. You're not going to win now. And if you stay the course, you're not going to win next year either. And if you don't win next year, it just gets a whole lot worse because you're paying the luxury tax repeatedly. And to me, it makes no sense to say, well, I don't want to give up my draft pick, so I'll be a repeat offender of the luxury tax. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. So what you have to do is you have to unload your most valuable pieces. And those valuable pieces, (coughs) excuse me, those valuable pieces, in my mind, right now on this roster today, are Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson. And I do think that there is an appetite in this league to have conversations about Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that they can make a deal with his contract the way it is now. You're so early in that deal, and the Jazz would have to absorb so much of that contract. It's just not feasible to trade him. Right. I do think, though, and I'm told that there are teams around the league who would love to to add Rudy Gobert and are willing to see if they can make that happen. Yeah, and I I think that, you know, if you're Danny Ainge in the front office, you know, a Rudy conversation is one you're willing to have, but at the same time – you know, you're not willing to take a beating to make that deal. You know, you're not willing to, to you know, because remember, the, the team you're trading Rudy to has got to take on all that money. So, so once again, Danny Ainge is on the wrong side of leverage in these conversations. And so my point just is, is I don't think that Danny Ainge is going to trade Rudy Gobert, you know, in, in like as part of like a bad deal, if you will, as part of a deal that, that sees the Jazz kind of get leveraged out of some, some value. And so... Yeah, I think Danny Ainge is, I don't think, I know, based on what we're being told, Danny Ainge is out there doing his job. And I just think, you know, like we've been saying for what feels like probably, I mean, not exaggerating, I honestly feel like we've been talking about this for at least three months, if not longer than that. Um, You know, Danny Ainge is in that position that is really tough. You don't have a lot of uh, assets to, to move and to make deals better. You know, the, the conversations you are having, people are dictating to you, not not you to them. So it's just a tough situation right now. But I think that overall, this, you know, bringing it back to the center of the conversation about the relationship between Rudy and Don, I think no matter what they do in the trade front and, and you know, the transactions, I, I, no matter what they do there, it all comes back to this relationship between Donovan and Rudy. And, and there has to be a solution to that. There has to be a come-to-Jesus moment, if you will. They've got to get on the same page. They've got to improve the relationship. Don's got to throw him the ball. You know, Rudy's got to shut his mouth. Like, they got to they gotta grow up. And, and, and I, hate, I hate saying it that way because it's kind of like condescending, you know, but, but I almost feel like that's the best way to say it. These two guys just got to grow up. Like, just, just get over the personal bias or, like, the pride of it all and say, okay, we both want to win. That's not in question. I don't think anybody doubts that Rudy Gobert wants to win a lot of basketball games, that Don wants to win. But I do have some questions about whether Rudy is willing to take you know, second fiddle to anybody. That's my question. I think that Rudy Gobert is not willing to back down. And I think what you saw the other night with Donovan Mitchell's return is that when he plays well, this team wins. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Donovan Mitchell is far more impactful. I have no doubt in my mind at all that Donovan Mitchell is the right guy for this team to build around. 
Um, I think that people around the NBA view Donovan Mitchell as a superstar, and I don't think they view Rudy Gobert as a superstar. I think Rudy Gobert is a second-tier player in this league, and I think most people I talk to around the NBA agree with that. And I think it's because he cannot impact a game offensively. That he has to, Rudy Gobert's best value offensively is when the Utah Jazz don't shoot the ball well. And that is a recipe for disaster. And we've been saying that for, for I mean, forever. For a point. very long time. Yeah. And I, I think it is, I think it's very difficult. I think it is very difficult to believe um, that Rudy Gobert is a guy that you can continue to center this team around. Because I, I, I just can only, I can only say it so many times. This team is built around the wrong guy. Yeah, you're built around Rudy Gobert, and that's why you're so inconsistent. Yep. That's why when you have heat in the locker room, because understand this, Rudy Gobert knows or believes that he's the most important player to this team. But I think Donovan Mitchell knows this is his team. He just isn't willing to step in and lead this group. And I don't know if that's what the center of the issues are in the locker room. I don't know if that's why Rudy Gobert has what was, you know, the word that was used to me the other day was an obsession with calling guys out. And it creates a lot of frustration. And Jordan Clarkson is hearing, hey, you shoot too much. And from his teammates and from his coaches is, hey, keep doing you. You're doing your job. You have a job to do. And Rudy Gobert one of the guys he talks about the most is Jordan Clarkson. Hey, you need to make the extra pass. Hey, feed me in the post. Hey, that's a bad shot. Hey, you need to not pout. Hey, you need to get back on defense. And while all that might be true, I don't believe that Rudy Gobert has the respect of his teammates to be in a position to call them out, especially when he wants the ball and he complains about not getting the ball with his back to the basket. When they give him the ball, it does not generally end well if he is in a position where he has to draw, where he has to dribble or make a move to the basket. Yeah. So I think that's what the frustration around this team is. And this idea that they don't have the pieces or the 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 you know the the peripheral parts like draft capital or money to go and make a, a significant deal that would change the direction of this club is even more frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I think you're in this vicious cycle where the only way to get out of your current situation is to make a foundation shifting trade. Yes. And I think they're rapidly coming to that realization. Mm -hmm. They want Marcus smart. They would love to make a Marcus smart trade with Boston. They just can't get it done because teams like Atlanta who have drafted exceptionally well and teams like Minnesota who have drafted exceptionally well have these young parts that are valuable across the league. John Collins is a guy that is very valuable across the league. You even look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia has what is supposedly, a, you know, a, a, a weight around their neck trying to win a championship with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has incredible value around the league. Yes. The Philadelphia 76ers are on the verge of getting James Harden. Now, if you listen to Steve Nash, the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Steve Nash says that's not going to happen. But if you if you look at the 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 trade wins around this league, yes, they're very close to making a James Harden for Ben Simmons deal. That's a foundational change for both of those teams. But I think the realization is both of those teams know they're not better than Milwaukee right now. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia is acutely aware that they have the best big and arguably the the odds on favor to win the MVP and Joel Embiid, and he's got very little help. 
and they need the spot that Ben Simmons is currently holding. Can you imagine? We were talking about this. We were watching the Bulls-Sixers game last night, yeah. and we were talking about this. Can you imagine adding James Harden to that rotation? And if you have to give up Ben Simmons and Seth Curry to get that done? I would. You would do that. Yeah, I would. You'd absolutely do that. Yep. And that's the difference when you're Philadelphia and you have a piece like Ben Simmons. Oh, by the way, you also have Seth Curry, one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Yep. You put those two guys together, and all of a sudden you can turn that into James Harden? That's unbelievable yeah. to put to put the group that's there and you you potentially don't have to give up Thibel. To me, that that's or a no-brainer. Tobias Harris. That's a no-brainer. I think Tobias Harris is one of the first guys they're going to move. Yeah. Because I think Tobias Harris is a guy that has medium value around the league, mm -hmm. but he's not somebody that's going to make or break you on a championship team. So you can afford to give him up, especially if you get James Harden in return. I, I, I just think that if you wind up getting Bruce Brown and, and a James Harden, from Brooklyn, you're in really good position now. You are in really good position. Yeah, and Brooklyn has a lot of guys that are that a lot of role players that are very usable for a lot of teams. And that, they do. And that's, and that's you know that's one thing that I give them a lot of credit for. You know, usually we're talking about um, you know the Lakers having a lot of those kind of guys, and the Lakers do have a decent amount of those guys. But you know, it's usually you know this time of year in years past. It's usually hey the Lakers are going to do a bunch of deals, and you know they and then that's how they build their championship team. But it's a little different this year, and I just think that, you know, I, I love the trade market. I love the trade season in the NBA. Um, I, I love silly season, if you will. Um, but at the same time, again, to take it back, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, remember this. Remember this if you don't remember anything else. All these trades that you're hearing about in the, in the general NBA landscape, the James Harden situation, the McCollums and the Lillards, like all these different situations you're hearing about, all these teams are getting better, all of them. You know, did anybody notice the Clippers now have Norman Powell? Anybody notice that? Yeah. Just, just just another little role player for them. You know, all these teams are getting better, and the Jazz seemingly are are kind of standing but still. How did the Clippers end up in that in that deal though? Well, the Clippers ended up in that deal because now reports say that Kawhi Leonard's not coming back this year. Mm -hmm. So they knew they had to go and make a deal. So what did they do? They went and did what they needed to do. Now, are they a championship team this year? Probably not. Well, they have Rocco, though. <laughs> no. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> the point is, they went and made a deal that made them that made them better. And so, I think that's where the Jazz are in a are, are in a real paradox because you have two guys who seemingly don't. I'm not going to say that Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert don't like each other. They just don't coexist well on the same team. Yeah. And I think that you have a deal where you're stuck. You're running in mud right now if you're the Utah Jazz. And frankly, I don't know how you fix that. Well, I mean, the way, it's uh, it, it's a painful process. I mean, when you're in this kind of situation, you have to set a clear direction. Okay, who is the guy we're building around? Obviously, as we've talked about on the show, we would we would choose Donovan over Rudy. You know, every day, twice on Sunday, right? I mean, that's just the direction we would go. But I haven't talked to anybody that would choose Rudy over Donovan. Right. Not right. one person. And so the point I'm getting to is how do you fix this situation? You literally, and I'm not being cheesy sports guy or facetious, you literally have to blow the thing up. You have to make huge foundational 
trades to 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 basically change the tide of your team. So you know you got to do a, a a a Rudy deal where you get your ass handed to you in return, but you're committed to getting that contract off your books. I mean that's the kind of deal that you're gonna have to do to put yourself in a position where you can start making other deals to get better. And and that's the tough part. What you know those decisions are what ultimately what the fan base and and what what you know Ryan Smith will remember. Yeah. Hey, what did Danny Ainge, what major move did did we make? Did did we trade Rudy over the summer? Because the Rudy deal wouldn't be a, a deadline deal with his situation. That I don't would, think that so. That would be a summer deal. Yeah. But were we able to move that contract in the summer, and did that allow us at, ne at next year's trade deadline to do some things? Th those are the type of moves that get you out of this situation. Well, and I also think you're, you're starting to look at guys like Boyan Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, okay, they're they're in a different group. Like we know, we know those are not foundational pieces. But when you get to Mike Conley and you get to Donovan Mitchell and you get to Rudy Gobert, those are tough trades to make because now the identity of your club changes dramatically. If the Utah Jazz went out and traded Mike Conley today, mm -hmm. that's a that's a completely different ball club now. Because now Trent Forrest and Jared Butler all of a sudden <coughs> are thrust into major minutes. But but this is the question then. Is that a bad thing? Should we be, not that you are, but but I think a lot of people have a lot of fear around, hey, you know, these young guys playing the lion's share of minutes and developing and like we're going to have to suck for like two seasons to get to get good. And I'm telling you, you know, as long as Don's on board with it, that's the route you got to go. You have to fix your money here, man. Yeah. You can't keep operating this way. Yeah, I, I have no doubt about that. I think that that's, the, that's what I would do because I, I'm the guy that wants to win. I think you, you run in five-year cycles. I want to win three rings in five years. Yeah. And it's very hard to do that. And you look at the fear in, you know, the, the, what's the narrative from the fan base? Well, you know, guys don't want to come to Salt Lake City. Guys are not going to play for the Jazz. Yeah. Well, you're not asking them to make a decision. You're not giving them a choice. You're trading for them. And when you win, it's it's shocking, but guys actually want to come to Salt Lake City and play because you win. Again, look what happened in Phoenix. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's an interesting parallel because you have a, a really good situation in Phoenix now with one of the most disliked owners in all of professional sports in Robert Sarver. But what's the difference? You have Monty Williams as your head coach who's well-respected and well-liked. Um, it doesn't hurt that he's black. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't hurt that Chris Paul signed on there. And, you know, Devin, <laughs> Devin Booker's turned into a star. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Chris Paul has made him exponentially better. And I look at Mikhail Bridges and his growth. By the way, he should be an all-star. Um, I think the guy's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. You look at the way that, you know, Jay Crowder fits in. You look at the way that that roster plays together. There's no doubt that that is Chris Paul and Devin Booker leading that team. Yes. There, there is no question about that. If Devin Booker speaks, that team listens. If Rudy Gobert speaks, if Donovan Mitchell speaks, mm. I don't know if you listen. And so I ask you, who's the leader of this Utah Jazz team? It's try to answer that question. Who is the – is there an unquestioned clear leader of this team? Because every championship team has one. I mean, on Who, the surface, it would be Dom, but I don't think he's there yet. I, I don't think I, he's I, there I, either because, because I think you don't have accountability from the coaching staff to the locker room. Yeah. And you don't have a clear set of expectations. 
And when when you turn guys loose and you say to guys, hey, play free-flowing basketball, you know, shoot, hey, if you're open, shoot it, that creates problems. Yeah. You know, when you look at the, the who are the best teams in the NBA right now, unquestionably, um, Joel Embiid's the leader of the Sixers. Giannis is the leader of the, of the Bucs. Um, I don't think there's there's – when you are a good team, when you're the Lakers, that's LeBron's locker room, right? The Jazz don't have one or two of those guys. They don't have any of those guys. Yeah. And that's the biggest issue with this team, and it's why the impact that Rudy Gay should have had has never happened here. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, Mike Conley – you know, when, when they first signed Mike Conley, not even when they just re-signed him, but when they first brought him to the team, I think, you know, the the sales package and the gift wrapping was that this was a guy that, you know, a veteran point guard that could bring a lot of leadership. And it's like, yeah, you know, yes, is he a floor general when he's out there? Sure. You know, he's leading the offense. He's initiating things. But I, I just, again, I just keep coming back to Donovan Mitchell needs to grow up and needs to develop as a leader. I mean, at some point, you, you have to step in and 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 put yourself out there again you can't in leadership you can't be scared to just to just put everyone together and take them where you want to go like that's just what you have to do as as a as a a star player yeah. in the league i mean you've got you know there's no question that donovan mitchell has the respect of the best players in the league there's no question about it and and it's almost a, a thing where it's like Don just needs to get this locker room together. And and if you want to do that in player-only meetings or whatever, it just needs to happen. You know, everybody always said, you know, about Kobe back in the day. Well, Kobe was a terrible teammate, and he was an asshole, and he treated everybody poorly. But notice none of this stuff ever happened. There was two, there was, there was two names on those great Laker teams, Kobe and Shaq, and that's it. It was everybody else. And you don't have that dynamic here. But how did they get back to winning? And Kobe and Shaq's a really good example. I would draw a parallel between what happened with Kobe and Shaq and what's happening with Rudy and Don. It is very difficult to have two alpha dogs in a locker room, right? And I can tell you firsthand, Shaq and Kobe were both alpha dogs. They traded Shaquille O'Neal. They sided. And why did they do that? Because they knew that this was a guard wing league. Yes. And it has not changed. It's never gone back to a big league, right? So you can sit here and call me a fool and whatever you want. You're casual. Yeah, you could call me casual. That's fine. This team should side with Donovan Mitchell. He's a better player. And frankly, he's the future of the NBA. He is the present in the future of the NBA. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. All right, let's get your comments in here. Um, Tawa Unga says, Ayo, morning, guys. What's up? Good to see you. I'm probably pronouncing that name wrong. Yeah. Uh, Tanner Plummer, good morning, Tanner. No longer casual. Yeah, no longer casual. I mean, dude won the Xbox. Yep. Just uh, says morning, guys. Thanks for the Xbox. Thank you. Appreciate you. Why? Why is Monty dying from coughing, man? <clears throat> I had a great weekend of no coughing. The coronavirus. I coughed very little this weekend. Felt great. Feel good. Mm-hmm. Go to project the old jugular and. Vexes me. I am terribly vexed. There is terribly no doubt. Vexed. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Rudy Sanchez, what's up? The Blind Swordsman DS. I don't know why I'm dying. Uh, John Jackson says, go check out King Taco out in L.A. I have been. I have partaken in the sauce. Uh, Edgar Garcia says, good morning, my boys. What's up, Edgar? Hello. Jeremy Bolton says, didn't Tony Jones report that there wasn't any friction between them? No, I believe what he said was um, that he and Rudy are. He said something to the effect of that. 
Rudy and Donovan don't hate each other. Um, and that they, because Donovan was asked about this, if memory serves, Donovan was asked about this and said, everything's fine. But what would you expect Donovan to say? I mean, we're not the only ones reporting this anymore. I mean, if it was just us and it was like, well, you know. The funny thing that happens is we'll be out in front of everything. We'll say and report things, you know. And then we get called idiots and fools and casuals. And then two weeks later, typically, everybody else starts reporting it. So whatever you want to say, man. I'm just telling you. Rudy and Don don't get along. They don't hate each other, but they don't get along. They just don't coexist well. And 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 until those two get along, this team's not going to do anything. This team is going to live in mediocrity. They're going to win a lot of games in the regular season. They're going to beat bad teams. They're even going to beat good teams in the regular season. But when you get to the postseason, it is a different beast. It is a different vibe. You have to execute at a tremendously high level to have any chance. And and you can't do that if you're if you're not on the same page. Uh, Steve Hambone says, hopefully they'll get their shit together after the break. Hopefully. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, from Donovan per Tony, Donovan Mitchell on reports that he and Rudy Gobert are beefing again. No, 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 we're good. That's just not true. Okay, cool. Uh, what Ms- else is he going to say? Mr. E says, don't you think Detroit Pistons could afford Rudy? Him and Cade would be quite interesting. The issue is, is that, again, if you're the Detroit Pistons, do you want Rudy Gobert to walk into the palace at Auburn Hills and say, yeah, I'm the best player on the team? I'm sorry if you're offended by that. I Like, Rudy's going to walk. Rudy Gobert believes he's the best player on the Jazz. And I'm telling you, he's not. He's not. You can get guys. If this team had, ask yourself this. If this team had wing defenders, how much less of an impact would Rudy Gobert have? I think it would be substantially less. I think if this team had younger, more athletic wings that could defend and you had a lesser big man, a role-playing big man, I think you're probably better off. I think you are. Now, you love having a defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. I mean, that he's absolutely valuable in that light. Let's not beat around the bush, dude. He is in a prime environment to win Defensive Player of the Year awards. He okay? is. Like, let's not – let, I hope everybody's on the same page with that. The guy literally gets everything funneled to him, and all he does is jump and protect the rim. That's what he does. And and, it's and he not does a, it really well. Yeah, like, it's not a criticism of him. But, again, if you take Rudy Gobert and you put him on a team that's already good, like, let's say, you know, I mean, what, what, what team you want to look at? Like, if you – if you put him on the Clippers, let's say, I mean, he's not going to do with the Clippers what he does for the Jazz because the Clippers are a better. Put him team. on Memphis. Put him on Memphis. Memphis exactly. is one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. He's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year. This team is built to to make him win Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, and I I think that isn't a that isn't a knock or a downgrade to him. They 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 quite literally do not have somebody that can keep his man in front of him. Like the on the perimeter of of this defense, yeah. Who's the lockdown defender that can that that can keep a man in front of him? Young guys, like not in their starting five. Yeah, not in their starting five. Right. If you think about anybody but but Rudy, even Don struggles defensively, and it's more effort and want to, I think. But if you look at Royce O'Neal, Royce O'Neal is not a, a plus defender anymore. But wait, I thought he was one of the best, you know, defensive players in the league. That's why they call him buckets, I guess. <coughs> um, anyway, the point is, you look at, at, at Bogey, you look at 
Jordan Clarkson, you Joe look Ingles. at Joe Ingles, um, you know, God rest his ACL. Um, you look at you look at this team. <laughs> it is constructed to give Rudy Gobert ultimate opportunities defensively. Yeah. And the elite teams in the NBA know how to to as we've talked about. Yeah. So uh Neville ninety three says, Good morning, guys. What's up? Uh Mo Bamba. Hello. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Yeah, did you see Mo Bamba get absolutely posterized, by the way? I don't know. Do you have the drop that says shout, shout out to Mo, Bamba. to Mo Bamba? Yeah, can you just, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to find it. I got like 50 pages of drops Shout out to Mo Bamba. I love when there's pressure on you to play a drop. Jesus. And you're over there like, I can see you over there feverishly messing with yeah, your let me let me mouse. pick up like 15 pages of drops here to find the one, you know? Forrest Gee, good morning to you. Rudy Gobert is the most impactful player on the team. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Okay, so when you say that, Forrest, what does that mean? Rudy Gobert is the most impactful player on the team. Is that from a win-loss perspective? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that night-to-night, minute-to-minute? Like, explain that, because I'd love to talk about that. Tanner Plummer says this is probably a dumb question. Well, Guys, guys, guys. Uh, Guys, guys, guys. He says, (laughs) LOL, well, it's on brand. Exactly. Um, but do you guys think Ainge knows that this team is built around the wrong guy? Yeah. Oh, 100%. He's telling – they've told Donovan Mitchell, we're going to build this team around you. Listen, you got to remember Danny Ainge's history. And, you know, if you haven't been watching the league for a long time, you you, you quite – you know, you very well could have missed what he did in in Boston. I mean, you're, you're talking about – a guy in Danny Ainge who who went and made major like franchise changing moves to put together a big three when LeBron was in Miami. I mean, remember that. Like you you got to remember he had to answer the bell when the East was difficult, and he did that. And I and I think Danny Ainge is very aware of this team's flaws and its shortcomings and why they're losing. You think Danny Ainge hasn't been watching this team for probably a good two years? You think you think him and Ryan Smith haven't been talking about this for a minute? I mean, Danny Ainge has been paying attention, and I, and I think that the only thing holding Danny Ainge back is the fact that he doesn't have draft capital to make trades. If he had draft capital, this team would already be different. I can tell. Like, I'm very confident yeah, in that. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, rough official says Gobert averages 16 points and 15 boards. And is the NBA's top defensive player, arguably. He's not the NBA's top defensive player. He's not. He may win Defensive Player of the Years, but you you put him up against any team that has that has playoff aspirations, and he's gonna he's gonna get leveraged. And and again, here's the thing with Rudy, and and this is just the truth. I'm not even hating on your comment there. The fact about Rudy Gobert is that he lights up a stat sheet. Oh, he's got he's averaging 16 points, 15 boards. How can you say he's not the most impactful player for the Jazz? What does that mean in the win loss column? What does that mean for winning championships? What does that mean for the most important portion of the NBA? Winning the game, right? That's that's why, again, it's the famous quote, right? You play to win the game. Why are these guys going out there, right, to win the game? So when I look at Rudy's contribution, it is very clear. We've been saying on this show, he started this trend like six months ago. When the Jazz shoot really poorly from three, Rudy has monster nights in the stat column. Right, he'll put up like twenty-five and eighteen. Like he'll go ham. And he is. There is no doubt that Rudy Gobert is the best rebounder in the NBA. When you pull down twenty-five percent of your team's rebounds, that's freaking amazing. Um, so there is no doubt that Rudy Gobert is. I mean, but I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I I want to be really clear. I'm not talking about like when we say okay, you know, 
he's the best defensive player in the league or he's an elite rebounder or he's this or he's that. When we say these, when we give him credit for <clears throat> his abilities, when while I'm having this conversation, I'm talking about it from a championship perspective because that's the stated goal of this team, to win championships. This team, the stated goal of this team is not, like for the Pistons, the stated goal is to try to get better to make the playoffs, right? For the Cavs, it was to make the postseason. The stated goal for this team at the beginning of the year was to win championships. Why did you bring Mike Conley back? Right? We're going to run it back. Hey, we got hosed in the playoffs. We had injuries. Don was hurt, and that's why we weren't able to make it. Let's not forget where we started at the beginning of this season. We started with, hey, we're bringing Conley back because we want to run this back and make one more run to try to get to the NBA Finals. Yes. So when we're talking about rooting his contributions – it's, it, it's not from the perspective of, hey, can he fill up a stat sheet or, or is he the defensive player of the year? Can he do all these great things? Yes, he can do all those great things. A hundred percent, he is a phenomenal defensive talent. There's no doubt about that. But what, when I talk about winning a championship, Rudy Gobert's not a championship NBA basketball player. He's not a championship Euro player. He's not a championship Olympic player. And the reason for that is the same across any league. He does not have an offensive game. That's the problem. Basketball is an offensive game, not a defensive game, right? That's the issue, especially in the NBA. And I think when you look at the best defensive player this year, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, Draymond Green probably has the best case because they're not they're they are not nearly a defensive team without him. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt it's Giannis right now. I mean, the guy without Brooke Lopez in the 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 numbers he's putting up across all defensive categories. I mean, but like Giannis and Draymond are great examples to compare, you know, to, to Rudy. I, I think I literally think Rudy Gobert could be an MVP. If he could just shoot a baby hook, if he could just have the ability with his left or right hand to back a guy down and go up strong. If he could do that, I legitimately think the guy could be an MVP candidate. Which is why I don't understand why everybody's like, oh, look at Rudy shooting threes in pregame. I don't care about his three-point shooting. I I much more care about his ability to dribble the basketball without turning it over. That is a much more valuable skill to this team than than shooting three-pointers. I, I mean, it just, to me, it just, yeah. And then everyone's going to say, okay, well, look at his shooting percentage. Well, yeah, his shooting percentage is going to be high because all he does is dunk. But he's not a star. Like, and this is uh, rough. Ruff's official um, point is, but he isn't a superstar. Exactly. It's great that he averages 16 points and 15 rebounds, but no, he's not a superstar um, because he just that he does a lot of things that that downgrades him. The obsessive whining to the officials which has been a point of contention in the Jazz locker room. Yes. Um, has it, it just is overwhelming. Um, he has a reputation as a guy that argues every single whistle, pro or con. Even when he gets a call, he's arguing about a play that happened two possessions ago. You, you, like that to me is a huge downgrade to him. I look at how limited he is offensively. If the Jazz shoot well, his numbers are far less. When the Jazz shoot less. well, he's a 12-9 and nine guy. 12 rebounds, 9 points. That's typically and what you, he throws out. The other thing is, with all due respect, again, I look at I look at where, where Rudy is against younger, smaller athletic teams. It makes it difficult to argue for him as, as, as a superstar when he struggles against the Minnesotas, the Houstons, the – like, I mean, you look – who's a team that needs a big? The Bulls or the Brooklyn Nets? 
have no size. He should terrorize those teams. And he doesn't because he's not an offensive force. So, look, Rudy Gobert has an incredible impact on games. There's no doubt about that. He is an impactful, important player that you cannot build a franchise around. That That's the bottom line, and this team is built around him. Yep. Um, let's see. Jeremy says, I'm fully confident that Ryan Smith, D-Wade, and Ainge are doing everything to give me a comment dump uh, <laughs> possible to make the best possible changes. Don't overlook Justin Zanuck's impact in this process because Danny Ainge has connections and contacts, and he is – he is absolutely working the phones, but Justin Zanuck is a guy out in front here. And I think Dwayne Wade has a smaller impact. I don't think there's any doubt that Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck are working together to try and make make trades. Yeah. And I think that I think that they really would like to make the deal with Boston. They just don't have the parts to get it done. Yeah. And Boston Boston knows what Marcus Smart is worth. So they are not going to settle for a second-tier deal. I, I really the, – the thing that, that stands out to me most is that I'm told the Jazz are trying to be a, a third team in a bigger trade. I think that's where right now they're stuck. Mm -hmm. That's who they are right now. And that's why I say the Washington trades are huge for the Jazz because I think Montrez Harrell is going to wind up back in the Western Conference. And I think there's a real good chance that the – the uh, L.A. Lakers would like to reacquire Montrezl Harrell. We'll see if that happens. I don't know, but I think that that you're gonna you're gonna see a big uh, it, when a Westbrook type deal goes down, when a Ben Simmons deal goes down, mm -hmm. and you have to move multiple large salaries. That's where you're gonna get multi-team deals that the Jazz can get in on, because they just can't. They've tried, man. They have really tried to make a deal they've really tried and they just don't have the parts to get it done they 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 don't i think philadelphia you know honestly i think that trade could be the best opportunity for the jazz to move boyan bogdanovich because i think philadelphia would love to to have boyan instead of tobias harris i think that they would really like it's a downgrade defensively but boyan bogdanovich has shown that it's not a fluke that he's getting to the basket now. Bojan. And his ability, he is starting to leverage his ability to shoot the three to create opportunities to drive to the basket. Yeah. And <clears throat> when you add James Harden to that mix, what that does is create a heck of a lot more knockdown three-point opportunities. They don't have a guy that, that you can stand on the wing in the corner and shoot a three like Bogey can. Yeah. And so he fits into a place like Philadelphia. Well, and he's a more reserved guy, too. You know, you don't have to yeah. worry about him trying to come in and, like, you know, rock the boat. I mean, he's just want, he just wants to come in, make his money, you know, shoot his shot, and, and that's basically it. They need a lift. They, the Jazz need a trade to energize this team. They yeah. really, really do. Because I, I think the other thing that's grinding against this locker room a little bit is the fact that the – the, the young guys are performing now through this whole COVID spurt. The young guys performed, you know, like in, in you look at even, even Doak has Yudoka Azubuki against a smaller Brooklyn team was really effective, you know? So you, you can see that every guy on this roster can play depending on the opponent. You can fit guys in like 
I think Yudoka Azubuki is is a fringe, fringe, fringe NBA player. Mm-hmm. I don't think Doke is a is a twenty minute a night guy. Yeah. Now I think Trent Forrest is probably earning more minutes. I think Jared Butler absolutely sh- it should be mandated that he plays more minutes. Yeah. But in order for those guys to play more minutes, you got to move two two guys in particular. I think you got to move Boyan, and I think you got to move Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. To get those younger guys more minutes. Because <laughs> I also look at Eric Pascal. He's really contributing when he's playing now. Yes. You know, and he's get, he gets blocked at the rim quite a bit. I get that. He That's not his highest best use is trying to dunk on a dude. It's not. But, boy, that corner three certainly is pretty, isn't it? Yeah, and he brings a, a level of physicality that the, I think this team also lacks. I think I think that's why the Marcus Smart thing was, was <laughs> so attractive to the Jazz. I mean, not only is obviously Marcus Smart a good player, but I think – the way he plays the game with the mentality he does, this team could use some more of that. Yeah, I think the, the chippiness and, and the, you know, the physical play, I, I think we see that in Pascal on a nightly basis where he wants to bang with guys and he wants to really play physical at the rim and everything. But I think, you know, generally speaking, you know, and this is what concerns me about, you know, the Jazz running into the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have this F you, you know, don't you know who we are mentality right now. And and I don't think the Jazz uh, are ready for those kind of teams to come in with the with the current you know position they're in. I mean that's why I like Pascal. That's why I would love to see the Jazz get a Marcus Smart uh, type guy so they could battle with those teams a little bit. I wish this team had a Mikael Bridges type player. I mean, if you just had a a long lockdown defender, yeah, oh, make your life easier. I mean. This is now a team that can compete at the top of the West with a long lockdown defender. Yeah. They just don't have that. You need this team needs a guy where you can say, I need you to go and guard the other team's best player. Yes. I need you to go shut down James Harden. I need you to go go check LeBron. Go, you know, do your thing. Right? And they just don't have that. Yeah. And it, it it's terrible it's it's terribly limiting to them. Uh, runs official says they should definitely trade Conley before ever thinking about trading Gobert. You're clearly a Gobert guy, and I get that. What would $41 million a year on average do for this team? A lot. How many guys is that? How many guys is three. that? Potentially three. You're locked into Rudy Gobert for four more years at $41 million a year. the number keeps going up, by the way. And, and so I ask you, okay, so Mike Conley – yeah, you're paying Mike Conley the the good good bread, right? Mike Conley's not, you know, not at his highest anymore. I think we very we have very clearly seen a downturn defensively especially. Offensively, I think he's playing pretty good. He's shooting the ball well. Who's got more value to this team? I would add because of the contract, I I think Mike Conley I'd rather have Mike Conley than Boyan, or excuse me, than uh, Rudy Gobert right now, because you're not going to win a championship this year. You just yeah, need you're to just not. You just need to understand that. And you're, everybody's saying, "Hey, well, like there's for some reason there seems to be this misnomer going around that the All Star break is the halfway point of the year, and it's not. The All Star break is not the halfway point of the year. We're, you have we're to well beyond that. that now. Yeah, like we're fifty something games in. Like. You realize, you know, you you are under thirty games left in the year. You're 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 talking about, you know, last like the twenty eighteen team, I believe it was, won like eighteen of twenty two to get to the postseason and be like in it and everything, you know? 
this team's not doing that. Like, like you need to understand that. And, and I'm not trying to hate on the team, but we just have to be realistic about about where the team is at right now. You're, you're not. It's not as though you're playing great basketball and you're an injury away from going on some tear and just beating the hell out of these teams. That's not where where this team is. And and I think I just hope that people understand that this team is in a different place. They got Dom back. They beat the Nets. Okay, great, awesome. You're gonna play the Warriors here. Was it? Is it tonight? I think it's tonight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They got the Warriors tonight. Like, what does that matchup look like? I'm. This is an important game tonight against the Warriors. You're gonna be able to see. Okay, what can this team do uh, against one of the best teams in the league? Th- this is a good measuring stick, and I think what you'll find is they'll be in the game. But if Golden State's playing their best basketball, Golden State should win by ten. Honestly, they really should. They, they with where the Jazz are at right now. In the locker room, on the floor, the flow of the team, how everything feels, the Dubs should win by ten. They really should. No, tonight's the Knicks. I think. I'd have to look, but I know the Warriors are coming. It's part of this. I think it's Knicks tonight. I think it's, and the Knicks are going to be a tough matchup for them because I don't know who, I don't know how you handle Julius Randle inside. Like they're Mitchell Robinson. Like they're uh, Pascal should be on Randle. (laughs) Yeah, that's the correct matchup. I don't know what Rudy's situation is. Obviously, uh, those of you who heard uh, Daniel House will be back tonight. Uh, you Which would think really he cleared protocol. Him, I have liked Daniel House's contribution so far. Yeah, but in a short in a short run, I mean, you like it. I mean, I. I but you know, it, he's the defender you're looking for. He's the he. If he continues yeah. to shoot at the rate he's shooting, he needs to get more minutes. Yeah, uh, Alex says when talking to NBA sources around the league about the Jazz, has anyone really been? Far even as decided to use even go want to do more look more like what what are you talking about I don't know what the question is there Alex if you want to restate that move Conley give position to Trent Forrest Trent Forrest is not a starting point guard in this league but at some point the Jazz are going to have to make that transition like I understand the comment there the idea behind it like at some point you're gonna have to say okay we need to figure out what the deal with Jared Butler and Trent Forrest. Jared Butler, Hughes. if you tr- if you trade Mike Conley, let's say in whatever scenario, which I don't think they will, but if you trade Mike Conley, I think Jared Butler's the guy you plug in there, and you go play basketball this year. Yeah, build a relationship with him and Don, and and I'm telling you again, everything should be centered around Donovan Mitchell that you're doing. Um, build a relationship with Jared Butler and Donovan Mitchell and go from there. Edgar says, do you think that Danny is at all or has thought of trade value to start over with, including trading Don? I think I, well, I don't think I, I know pretty factually that they have weighed every player's value and you know, who is, who is worth what? And I think that they've come down to the, the fact that you don't want to trade every guy on this team. You don't, you need Donovan Mitchell. They know that. The league knows that. And I think if they wanted to, they could have traded Donovan Mitchell already. They're not yeah. going to trade Donovan Mitchell. He is a he is a legit generational talent. And you need to build around him and facilitate his growth and his development mm-hmm. with everything that you do. Every move should be, well, how is this going to impact Donovan Mitchell? Which is why I'm telling you, everybody said I was crazy and trading. Rudy, you want to impact? Donovan Mitchell, trade Rudy Gobert. You want to make Donovan better, trade Rudy Gobert. You're casual. You want to turn this into Donovan's team, trade Rudy Gobert. Yeah. You want to make a major trade? You want to get money off your books? You want to stop paying the luxury tax? Trade Rudy Gobert. He Trading Rudy Gobert solves a lot of problems. It does. You might not like that, but 
again, I would ask you to refute it factually. Does trading Rudy Gobert help you money? Help your money? Yes. Does it help your locker room? Yes. Does it help you offensively? Yes. Does it help you defensively? No. Not today. But what does it do? Well, let's see. If we're trading, you know, $41 million a year, what are we going to get in return for that? Probably getting a first rounder, right? If you went to whoever and traded Rudy Gobert, I would assume you're going to get draft capital back for that. Yeah. One of the major needs this team has is draft capital. Why wouldn't you do that? You're also probably going to get another star in return, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, whoever that might be. The problem is I don't. I think there's one or two teams in this league that would have the desire and wherewithal to take on Rudy's money. I'm telling you now, if Golden State wants to give me James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga in a package to – you're, I'll but pack. Again, I'll pack Rudy's bags. It's never going to happen because it's not. you are a competitor to them. It's not. But if hey, if the New York Knicks want to give me Julius Randle, a pick and a, a player, two players and a pick for Rudy Gobert, I will. I will carry his bags. Yes. Like let's do it. I'll pack his shoes for him. I'm telling you, that contract is going to be the end all decider in how many how many years this team goes without a championship pack your shit let's go yeah like <laughs> i'm out i'm out uh ebay says gobert would kill it on memphis i don't know woody woody i what, mean that's a team has actually killed it i mean the team that the team that that team has a big and it's it's jaron jackson and what is his best use well he's a great shot blocker well, but he also shoots a three at a really high percentage right now. And for now. his size, he's got a handle. So I don't think he would kill it on Memphis. They'd have to totally change their game. Uh, Jeremy Bolton uh, replied to Brandon, who said, I heard Booker wants to be a Laker. Time to stir up fake stuff. What are you talking about? Bro, that rumor's been going around for like two seasons. For years. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't De know. Devin Booker has said publicly. Devin Booker idolizes Kobe Bryant. You think Devin Booker's not going to be a Laker before he's done? Come on, guy. Jeremy says, um, Brandon, I also heard Westbrook wants to play for the Jazz. Like, see, this is a thing I don't understand. No, it, it's not even worth it. J.P. Shanahan says, uh, I wonder if I, it'll come to a point where team management will have to choose between Mitchell and Gobert. I think they've already chosen. Yeah. I think you're at that point. Uh, eBay says, why do you always bring up Mo Bamba? Get me up to speed. <laughs> well, it's a drop on this show. Shout to Mo Bamba. And... People love that drop. That's shout the Mobamba. It is what it is. Boston Bro. is gelling with Rozier big time. Rozier, what do you mean? I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. Um, Ainge let Rozier go and kept uh, Headcase Irving before that. Thomas over Rozier. Ainge ain't all that. Bro. Well, I mean, Dude. are are you taking Terry Rozier over Kyrie Irving? Is anybody taking Terry Rozier over Kyrie Irving? I'm not. I'll take Kyrie Irving every day, even with his vaccination BS. I will take Kyrie Irving every day over Terry Rozier. See, this is what we can't do. Like, what you do you mean you by can't, that? You can't say Danny Ainge ain't all that because Kyrie Irving didn't work out. You know damn well that you would have done that trade too. You I'd have done the Kemba well deal you, they did. Like, you know you would have. You, you, everybody would have. Like, like, we can't – like, let's not try to have it both ways. Like, let's not sit here – like, this is a thing that I don't understand about Jazz fans. With all due respect to you guys, why are you why are you on Reddit and going down the black hole of messaging boards and everything about Westbrook to the Jazz? 
Nobody who has any credibility is saying Russell Westbrook wants to be a Utah Jazz. Nobody is saying that. Nobody. What What's being said is, is that the Lakers have tried to trade his contract, and nobody's helping them get that done. And everybody knows that the roster they have is completely dysfunctional, and they're not going to do anything this postseason. And now these Milwaukee with Aaron, uh, Eric Gordon rumors. I mean, yeah. I it, mean, it just is – I just think that I, I think that there I understand why there's a thirst for if you're a jazz fan why there's a thirst to bring in another star I understand it but you have to start with the with the issues you have in front of you that's where it has to begin okay so let me get this right because Brandon Whiteside Brandon look dude I like I like that you listen to the show I like you I, I but you sometimes I wonder how much NBA you actually know about because this current this message right here that I'm about to read is one of the most uninformed takes on on NBA I think we've ever had. Ainge sure screwed up the Celtics, bringing in Irving, Walker, and Hayward as overrated non-impact free agents. Those three guys were three of the most wanted free agents in the NBA. So if you're Danny Ainge and Kyrie Irving says, I want to come to Boston, you're saying no. Right, if you're if you are Danny Ainge, and Gordon Hayward wants to come to Boston, you're saying no. You would have said no to that. Kemba Walker's available to you, and you get to move. I believe they sent Gordon Hayward out in that deal for Kemba Walker, and you need a point guard desperately. You would have said no to that. Really, you would have said no to that. That's one of the most foolish things I've ever heard in my life. If, if that's where you are NBA-wise, you should – you need to do – like, you just are lost. You're lost. If you believe that any GM in the NBA, including, including the Utah Jazz, would have said no to Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, or Gordon Hayward, the Jazz fought like hell to keep Gordon Hayward. He broke his leg essentially in the first moments of his career there. So you're you're like I just think you're you're lost, bro. Like that is, and again, I, I with all due respect, there's nowhere to go from that kind of take. Like that is just a garbage take, and I, that's what I don't understand. Like, jazz fans, you get so upset because you're so emotionally attached to players instead of championships. Why are you not upset that you're not winning championships? Why are you not upset about that? But yet, oh, man, you guys are – you don't know what you're talking about. You're casuals. You don't have any sources. They're not trading Rudy Gobert. When they trade Rudy Gobert, it's the same thing everybody said when I said, hey, you need to get rid of Anis Cantor and go all in on Rudy Gobert. Oh, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And then what happened? Now you would never say a cross word about Rudy Gobert, right? You're ripping Gordon Hayward for doing the exact same thing you would have done. But he's a terrible person, and he's trash, and he sucks, and what are you talking about, man? Like, it just, anyway. Um, eBay says exactly, Whiteside, because there are 30 teams in one championship a year. Championships are all that matters. When Donovan leaves, are you going to say that same thing? Yeah, he's going to be a bum, and he sucks, and he was the problem. And, and we, I, I heard a take last week, oh, well, if Donovan wants to leave, we don't want him here. 
Yeah, because you don't want Donovan Mitchell here. Right, right. Okay, okay. Whatever uh, Shanahan says, whatever happened to defense wins championships. That's the NFL. It's not in the NBA. It's not. It's not. It, you you ultimately, what it comes down to, and we've seen it, Kevin Durant, time and time again, last year against Milwaukee. Why did Milwaukee win a championship? Because Kevin Durant put his toe on the line. You can't stop Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's going to score when Kevin Durant wants to score. Where was the defense when Kawhi hit that game-winning shot in Toronto out of the corner? It was in his face with a Joel Embiid perfectly positioned. 96 bounces off the rim later, the ball goes in, and Toronto wins a championship. Where was the defense when Michael hit that shot? I just, this, is, this is what I don't understand. It's, How do we go from having good basketball discussion to Danny Ainge sucks because – he signed Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, and he traded for Kemba Walker. And it's going to go into crisis lockdown mode here at the house. Like, do you hear the shit that you say? And then, well, I, I, it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. What's up, Greg Hawkins? Good to see you. Uh, Kay Nuren says, love the young center. If Don can keep passing the ball, we'll keep winning. I would agree. Um, and Donovan's showing a, a, an ability to be pliable. He's showing an ability to step out of Don and everybody else and get other guys involved. And that's what it's going to take for this team to win. Um, Shanahan says, so you guys are basically saying that Utah will always have to settle for being third team in a blockbuster trade. No, I didn't say that. Okay, help me understand this. When did we say that? How did you come to that conclusion? What is in the water today? Yeah, like, like literally I need you to explain how you came to that conclusion. We did not say that. What we said was... Like, like, here's the thing. First of all, before I get to that take, what I want to say is you can't just deal in absolutes. You can't just say always or forever or, or like, you can't do that. Yeah. Right now, yeah, the Jazz are probably going to have to be a third team in a bigger deal because there are bigger deals out there right now at this trade deadline. Some trade deadlines, there are almost no big deals, right? Some trade deadlines... You know, it's just a lot of like perim like peripheral, like kinda under the radar, this random guy for that random guy, and that's basically it. That's not this trade deadline. And that's the thing you have to understand with where the Jazz are at. Yeah, they're likely for this deadline gonna have to be a third team in a major deal. That's where they're probably gonna get most of their value. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's the position that they're in. So no, we didn't say always, but this year that's where they are. Hmm. Rana Farg, you cursed in your message. That's why it got filtered. But he essentially said, did you watch um, the Nets and the Jazz? Furthermore, and he talked about how offense is always going to win. Did we, The Nets Nuggets highlights happen to be on the TV. Yeah. Did anybody watch Kyrie Irving against Nuggets? He's out there alone. And what's he doing? Spinning, whirling, getting to the basket. He's, He's playing his game. He's he got to lay does. up one on three. Your defense only takes you so far. You have to have guys who are locked to score. Give me the ball, and I'll get you a bucket. That's Donovan Mitchell. Give how me many, the ball, dude, and I'll get you a bucket. How many? How many times do? How many times do you have to <coughs> learn this lesson? The best offensive player is always going to be better than your defensive player. I don't care how good that defensive player is. I don't care. Literally, I don't care. These guys in the NBA are so proficient at putting the ball in the hole, you're not going to stop them. 
And that's why yeah. it's an offensive league, not a defensive league. Yep. It, eBay says no to Walker, Kemba Walker, to the Celtics as he made too much money. It's Boston. They can pay the luxury tax. Brooklyn can pay the luxury tax. The Utah Jazz cannot pay the luxury tax. Kyrie is about himself. You got to look at the team chemistry, so no to Kyrie to the Celtics. White side is right. What helps the team, you know? I thought that before Ainge made both moves. You're crazy to pass on Kyrie Irving. And at that time, by the way, Kyrie Irving won a championship in Cleveland. He hit one of the biggest shots in the history of that team. Mm -hmm. He won a championship in Cleveland. Everybody wanted him. You would have absolutely traded for Kyrie Irving or signed him. There's, there's just no question about there's that. There's no doubt about, about there, it. There, there's not. Why do you think Brooklyn wanted him? Why do you think if they wanted to trade, how many teams called the Brooklyn Nets? The Denver Nuggets were trying to get Kyrie Irving from the Nets when all this trade Kyrie stuff was going on. Because, anyway, if I have to explain Kyrie Irving's value to you, Kemba Walker, okay, knee injury, lots of money. Okay, <laughs> let's go back and forth. Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving are absolute no-brainers. Every team would have done it. Every team would have done it. No doubt about it. it, it just no, not every team would have paid Rudy Gobert. You, most deals are black and white. You just have to take your emotion out of it. You have to take your emotion out of it. Quentin Moyer says, I was very happy to see Don back against the Nets. I think a lot of people were. Cam Harrison says, I'm a Jazz fan. Jazz are terrible this season. Good morning, guys. Hi, Cam. Uh... Seriously. Uh, Shanahan says the reason why Jazz fans uh, resent Hayward was because of the way he parted with the organization. The blog thing was a bad look for him, but he did exactly what you'd have done. If if Boston threw a truckload of money at you that changed the rest of your life for generations, you'd have See done you it later. too. See you later. You'd have done it too. All right, let's switch gears and remind you to uh, hit subscribe on this channel, please. We are giving away this uh, Xbox when we get to 5,000 subs. Subs. Um, it's not an Xbox, it's a PlayStation. It's a PlayStation, hi, PS5. It's big enough. I just missed the label. Size does matter. You know, I just think, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, we're giving away a PS5. Hit subscribe, please. If you're here watching, give us a thumbs up. It really helps the channel grow. Uh, also, make sure somebody was asking me on Saturday about the 50% off you know, Prime, Amazon Prime link, it's below, as are all of our other links uh, to your, your fine favorite Amazon products. Please go shop them. And let's switch gears and talk about something non-controversial like Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, so this Joe Rogan thing blew up again over the weekend as there was a, a what would you call it, a collage of N-bombs from Joe Rogan on his Spotify podcast. Yeah. Um, the Joe Rogan Experience. And... Frankly, I hadn't thought about this in a long time. I've actually heard Joe Rogan on his show use use the N-word. Um, and it is a word that, you know, frankly, when when you use it the way he uses it, hurts my ears. When I hear a rapper do it, like, it doesn't matter. When I hear a guy like Joe Rogan use it the way that Joe Rogan used it, it hurts your ears, right? But I hadn't thought about that until this weekend when somebody released 20 different audio clips of Joe Rogan using an M-bomb. Yeah. And then came the audio of Joe Rogan because what do you know Joe Rogan for when it comes to COVID? Anti-vax, ivermectin, Donald Trump's a god. Friends with Aaron Rodgers. That's what you know Joe Rogan for. If anything, anti-vaccines, right? Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, it turns out that wasn't always the case. I hope this wakes people up to the value of vaccines too. There's so many wackos out there that think that vaccines 
are you know a scam or they're dangerous or it's there there's so many people out there that won't vaccinate their children so that many are people so are paranoid and yeah. d d delusional and they want it all to be a conspiracy there's been an amazing medical innovation wow. In, in human culture, and that's vaccines. It's amazing what it's done. And ha have there been adverse effects on people? Of course, everything. Everything that people do, there's some people that are going to react in a bad way. It doesn't mean it's not a positive thing. Bro. <laughs> this was two years ago. This was, that was when the pandemic. <laughs> um, Hi. That's when the pandemic was just starting. Dangerous 2020. misinformation. Are you kidding me? So Joe Rogan, who is known, and I want to play that bite again, please. Joe Rogan, who is known as an anti-vax guy, does not believe in the vaccines, is not vaccinated, does not recommend you get vaccinated, said this in 2020. I hope this wakes people up to the value of vaccines, too. There's so many wackos out there that think that vaccines are you know a scam or they're dangerous or it's there there are so many people out there that won't vaccinate their children so that many are people so are paranoid and yeah. delusional and they want it won't all to be a conspiracy there's been an amazing medical innovation in in human culture and that's vaccines it's amazing what it's done and ha have there been adverse effects on people of course everything Everything that people do, there's some people that are going to wow. react in a bad way. It doesn't mean it's not a positive thing. Dude. There are some people out there who won't vaccinate their children, says the guy who tells you not to vaccinate your children. Like for instance. Whose kids are not vaccinated. Dude. Who said young people don't need the vaccine. <clears throat> oh, there are some people out there who won't vaccinate their children. Do you understand what a scam this guy's turned into, Joe Rogan? Do you understand when I, when I tell you Everything that's $10 million a year at any major tech company like Spotify has an agenda to it. Hydroxychloroquine. Are you serious with this? It's, that it's was crazy. two years, less than two years ago. And a lot of people are saying, you know, and, and I'm not saying these are like credible sources, but just like when, you know, you're flipping around Twitter and you're kind of seeing like what the masses opinion is, if you will. Uh, a lot of people agree with that, that, hey, the money changed Joe Rogan and 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 he uh, he wants to generate revenue. And, and I think Joe Rogan and this is what nobody wants to talk about. But but when you're controversial and when you are dropping end bombs over 110 times on your podcast and when you are anti vaccine, what do you know? You're constantly in the news cycle. It's funny how that works, isn't it? So I'm not saying that Joe Rogan is out here dropping N-bombs to try to get more notoriety for his show, but what I am saying is Joe Rogan, without a doubt, without question, 100%, is trying to have interviews and put out controversial content. And I get it. It's, it is, that is how a lot of times people will grow whatever it is that they do. But I just think that at some point, it, you can't drop end bombs 110 times over the course of your podcast and think that you're going to get away with that or think that that's okay joe rogan said quote you know what i think you should do i think you should get vaccinated and then get sick this is why because then you got the vaccine and that protects you from the bad infection and then you get covid so then you get a robust immune that's Im imparted from having an actual disease itself so yeah 
Go for it. Get vaccinated. By the way, I'm not a doctor and I'm not anti-vax, he says repeatedly over and I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. But then in the very next breath, in the very next breath, he calls the vaccine vampire drips. Infowars.com. Come, Come on. Like you look at the um, you look at what he has said about this. The, the, you look at that he's talked about. Um, you know, how health officials withheld treatments for COVID-19 in the early days of the pandemic. He said, quote, multi-drug therapy as an outpatient works substantially better than the vaccines. And we've had a giant loss of life, millions and millions of unnecessary hospitalizations. So wait, you're not anti-vaccine, but you want these, you know, you want the, the multi-drug therapies and you're all about ivermectin which there is no evidence and no research and no long-term uh, research about the impact of ivermectin, which can kill you if you take it without, you know, without having a reason to take it. I'm going to say this again. Ivermectin will kill you, but you're saying that you don't know the long-term side effects of vaccines and that's why you won't take it. Come on, man. But you, you know that ivermectin will kill you, but you'll take that, but... Well, we haven't studied it long term, so. Yeah, notice that's gone away now. It's all this misinformation. That's the issue with Joe Rogan. Why did Spotify attach a notice to his show? Why did Spotify take down every episode where he said the N-word? It's a lot of content. You realize that? I mean. You're talking about 110 episodes, dude. Dude, what are we that doing? Is, that is a lot. I mean, that is. You know, like, no. I believe that. I mean. Uh, he, he says about young people in the vaccine. He says that if you exercise consistently, um, that if you are a healthy person and you exercise consistently, this virus is of no danger to you. It's just not it's completely true. completely fucking false. Yeah, it's just not true, dude. Completely false. And so you look at you look at all these statements in totality, and then he says after every one of them, I'm not anti-vax. Well, and and that's and that's really what um you know and again I, and I don't want this to turn into like a politics thing but no but this I really is a Joe think, Rogan conversation yeah, this is a Joe Rogan conversation but I really think if that tactic hey I'm gonna say I'm gonna say X Y and Z but then after I say X Y and Z I'm gonna say I'm not a doctor or I'm not a lawyer or I'm not you know like I'm gonna preface it basically like hey you know all this stuff and then I'm not a doctor. Dude, we've been seeing this happening for like the last five years with Donald Trump. That's where this tactic came from. And I'm not again, I'm not trying to turn it into a political conversation, but this is what's happening now. I'm going to yes. say all that. I'm going to throw all this stuff up on the wall. And then when I get sued for it, I'm going to say, well, you know, I'm not a doctor or I, you know, don't have any evidence of voter fraud or I, you know, whatever, whatever example you want to use, you know, and I just think that it's a really dangerous thing to do. It's a really risky thing to do for your brand. And when I look at Joe Rogan, he's a hell of a story. I mean, you're talking about a guy who obviously, you know, did a lot in comedy and, and, and stand up and, and, you know, did some TV work and then picked up the UFC thing and basically has been able to transition into a huge podcast. And I give him a lot of credit for that as somebody who does a podcast. But you can't go out and and do the COVID thing and all that madness and then get caught saying the N-bomb as many times as he did. You can't do that, dude. I yeah. mean, that's just not, it's just not acceptable. Mitch wants to know, he tried to get the vaccine. How are you calling him him 
anti-vax. Joe Rogan claims he tried to get a vaccine and missed the appointment because of a scheduling conflict. Okay, so go go reschedule it then. Did you try to? Get, but go, he didn't though. Like here's an, the thing. I I, I don't because you want to get vaccinated. I don't right? want to play in in the gray area. You 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 couldn't get vaccinated because of a scheduling conflict. You didn't want to get vaccinated. And he's the same guy who says you're better off getting COVID so that you have natural immunity. If it doesn't kill you, you'll have natural immunity. If you don't wind up in the hospital, you, you're you, at me this point. At this point in the pandemic, I, I I don't know that there's any way to argue that if you are vaccinated, you you have a very little, almost no chance of even getting seriously ill or dying from this, from especially from Omicron, right? But when you're when you're spreading misinformation about vaccines and their impact on you, a year in a year in ten months after you said, I can't believe people won't get their kids vaccinated. The podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation. You said 18 months ago even, hey, I can't believe there's people who buy into conspiracies and won't get their kids vaccinated. And now, like, I don't know how Spotify hangs on to Joe Rogan, but I think the problem is it's a bad look if they fire him beyond the, the COVID stuff. Now you have all this N-bomb stuff. Well, but if you're Spotify, if you're Spotify, can you not cut him loose and say, we made a mistake? We made a mistake. Not when you're paying the guy 10 million bucks a year and he's worth, he is worth millions of listens per day. Well, that might be true. but You I, are I, vested I, in Joe Rogan. That might be true. And I also think this is why you're buying into other podcasts and other talent. I think this is, and frankly, to be honest with you, we do really well on Spotify but it's frustrating to me that Spotify did not thoroughly vet Joe Rogan's podcast before they got into it. Because you're, are you telling me you knew about those twenty M bombs and you still paid him ten million dollars a year? A de- there's a decent risk of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a decent chance that that they vetted his podcast and they were like, well, that's you know, that's I mean, that's like what five years but ago he's, now. But he like, averages I mean, ten million listeners an, an episode, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, eleven million listens an episode, one hundred ninety on. million downloads a month. That's a lot of money, man. I know it's a lot of money, but here's my point: when it comes to n bombs, when it comes to racial slurs, which is exactly yeah. what that is, there's no amount of money that fixes your image. What fixes your image is saying, "Hey, we're letting Joe Rogan go." Yes, it's going to hurt the company. Yes, it is, but we're willing to absorb that. To make it very clear that that we're not okay with that kind of verbiage on our platform, like I, I think that I think that again, just like anything else, you can turn this into a win for your company. You can turn this into a positive conversation for Spotify. It'll never be a positive conversation for Joe, right? But for Spotify, it can be. Yeah. I mean, he makes a lot of money, man. That's a $100 million deal. It doesn't matter. And by the way, they signed him right after that clip of him saying, you need to get vaccinated. It doesn't matter how much money it is. At the, if you're trying to turn this into a positive PR thing for your company. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in fact, in fact, I would say because it's so much money, it gives you more credibility to say, Hey, we're going to lose that money. But we're okay with that because we're not okay with what Joe said. Greg Hawkins says, I mean, there are N-bombs in books like Huckleberry Finn and To Kill a Mockingbird. Does that mean we no longer read these books in public schools? Actually, yeah, there's a lot of public schools who won't let those books be read. There is, a, <laughs> but and that, that'll take us to cancel culture, which is 
a totally different conversation. But to use the N-word the way that he used the N-word is very different than than the period piece that is Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. Right? I mean, th you, I think you have to look at it in I context a, and yeah, application. Yeah, yeah. Right? But there's a lot of schools who will not have those books in their libraries. Yeah. And and I think this and this also goes back to to you know to CRT and teaching about slavery and teaching about the history of racism in this country like I think that's a different conversation. My point on this is Joe Rogan I think is a problem for Spotify that they're hoping just cures itself. And Joe Rogan for his part does Joe Rogan just stop talking about vaccines and COVID now? No. I don't know how he would do that. No. I don't think there's any way he can do that. Because that's who the guy is. Yeah, I've been immunized. And didn't you hire him for the guy that he is? I'm sorry if you're offended by that. I think you did. You know, like... Spotify was cool with the COVID stuff. They were fine with it. That's why they put the warning on it and didn't say anything about it. Yeah, and I think he's worth too much to them now. He's worth far more than the, whatever it is, 9 or $10 million a year they pay him. Wow. I mean, he does 11 million downloads a Eventually, day. he'll make another mistake. With all due respect to Joe Rogan. Eventually... Yeah. He will say something that will come back to get him again. Yeah. You know what? I I just think that I think that you know who you are is, you know. And I really do, you know, I, I want to say I do appreciate what Joe does for the most part. Like the tactic of his show. Hey, I want to do interesting interviews. I want to have these conversations. But what yeah. good is the conversation if you're having it in the wrong way? That's the problem. And I think Joe thinks that he can just run out there and say whatever the hell he wants. And you can't. Not when you're making nine million bucks from Spotify. You can't. Not like, and this is why I yeah. say, this is why I say this. The our, like our situation is very rare. Our show is completely independent. We don't make any money from anybody, and we, that's the reason we're not on the radio. That's the reason that we don't work for people. Everybody always says, well, "Why don't you guys do a radio show?" Because then we can't do the show we want to do. Joe Rogan doesn't get to do the show he wants to do every day, because he makes too much money from Spotify. All right, should we talk about our do my dog real quick? Because now we're out of time. Yeah. My dog lost his mind on Saturday night. <laughs> so we're getting ready to go and see Tanner Plummer to bring him in his Xbox. And we have to leave. Jake is being an idiot, and he's getting his car done, and it's way late as usual because he is never on time for anything. Right. Um, right. And so Mrs. Monty and I are getting ready to feed the dogs, and – our, our little rat terrier, Django, is playing with a toy that's old. And it's got, like, strings in it. And so one thing leads to another, and they're all turned up because they're ready to eat, right? And he's playing with this toy, and he got a string caught in his mouth. And he literally tried to rip his face off to get that string out of his teeth. I mean, it was... It was something I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. Like he was using his front claws and paws to try and rip this thing out of his mouth. And he's tearing parts of his face off. He he cut his gum pretty bad. I'm going to get medieval on your ass. He went at his face so hard that he ripped his thumb off, essentially. You know what a duclaw is? But yeah. The, he ripped the claw off of his arm. Damn. Because it got hooked on his tooth. I, I mean, he was a, he was, it was incredible. And so we finally, my wife grabbed him and I opened his mouth with a flashlight and it's just a little string that was caught inside of his mouth. And 
I'm that is the craziest, most stressful five minutes. And it was literally five minutes. It was, so he was like it. bleeding everywhere, and it was he was crazy. bleeding pretty profusely from his arm, and he had a pretty. He has still. I looked at it this morning when he when he when he woke up. He still got a pretty good gash inside of his gum. Yeah, but he took he he went to town on his face, man. Like it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I have I, never uh, seen that dog or any dog do that, and it's just dude. When dogs are not well, man, it's miserable. You know, like when your dog is not doing well, it's not good. Yeah, I it's not. Dogs, it is it is terrible. One, I just want to say pet insurance is useless. Like we were sitting there trying to decide what to do. Are we gonna take him to the vet? Well now he's bleeding Never. everywhere. You're not taking him to the vet. Well, but I and I said, like, I was sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, this is just another thousand dollars out the window. Never mind, I'm closing on this investment condo in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, or next week, a week from now. Mm-hmm. Never mind that that's a, you know, that's a huge amount of money out the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me go spend another thousand dollars because my dog was playing with a toy and got a string stuck in his tooth. So he tried to rip his face off. <laughs> you know, like, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It, it, it was amazing. Yeah. Why? How are we talking about Ukraine in the comments? Bro, we're literally, why are we talking about Ukraine in the comments? I'm not talking about Ukraine. That's another show. That's not what we do. But anyway, the point is. <laughs> Damn comment section some days, dude. Y'all are tripping today. I hate that politics always goes there. The conversations about, like, Joe Rogan, that conversation has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. Yet I see those comments. It has nothing to do with Ukraine, yet I see those comments. Like, why are we talking about that? Like, it, it Can we not just have a conversation about Hey, should Joe Rogan be fired by Spotify for the things he's said? Never. We can't do it. We just can't. Nope. Anyway, the point is, I was stressed up God, about my dog. Yeah. That no, I was, mean, that's a miserable experience. And now he's walking around with like a, you know, yeah, he's, so, he's got the Jason Pierre-Paul treatment on his paw right now. He really does. So essentially, he ripped off his thumb. So we washed his thumb. And then we wrapped it in, in, a, in a piece of gauze and a bandage. And then yesterday morning... We want to look at it to make sure it's not, you know, getting gangrenous or going to eat its arm, his own arm off. Right. So we're trying to take the bandaid off and he is just, <laughs> I mean, he ripped his thumb off. I got to believe that fucking hurts, yeah, right? Like, dude. I mean, that's got to be painful. So we take the bandage off and it actually is odd. Like his thumb is just gone. Yeah. It is gone. It's disappeared. Literally. It's gone. Yeah. And he's actually handling it quite well. Like he, he did his little energy sprint around the living room this morning and, He's he, he's hopping around on three legs right now, as I do every day. Uh, because wow. see what I did there. Uh, that wow. was a penis yeah, next joke. question. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point is. Wow. Because he's got no thumbs, so I'm sure it's painful to even stand on that arm. Right I'm now. sure it is. I mean, yeah. good lord. I I just don't. You know. Are we still in Ukraine in the comments? Some of them are. Yes. I, I, eBay. See, and I again. This is much like Brandon Whiteside on basketball. eBay always brings in like the out of left field let's talk about nuking poland or something like come on yeah exactly easy solution to the pet insurance problem old yeller wow 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 come on man by the way i watched a video on tiktok this morning that said uh hey if you want to kill somebody bury their body eight feet underground and then three feet above them bury a dead pet and then when the dogs come looking for the body, they'll just find your dead pet and they'll um, leave the body alone. So you can get away with murder if you just bury the body. 
down to eight. You're <laughs> casual, bro. Eight feet, bro. Three feet above the dead. Yeah. Okay. Feet. All right. Let me um just for our sake, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, yeah, I'm gonna you know play the music. But uh, at eight feet, the dead body, the you know, pet is um and stuff. The and bloodhound and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, bloodhound. Right. You know, Jeremy says, "Well, this show just got dark." Yes. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Today was a weird show. Yeah. Tomorrow we're going to talk about planting tulips and the proper technique for hydrolyzing weed. Yeah, plant seeds. Go ahead and hit subscribe on this show. <laughs> yeah, dump a bunch of seed in the garden. <laughs> Take that for whatever you think it's worth. Subscribe. Please give us a thumbs up if you're here now. Follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, The Monty Show. M-O-N-T by The Monty Show. Jake is SLC Supercars. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Joe Rogan. Goodbye, Joe Rogan.